Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more information on the shows and the network, visit podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up for free at podmetrics.co and use my referral code RJ Ledesma. If you can discover what your purpose, why are you setting up that business? What is it in you that the business completes or you know completes in your define helps you define or find your identity then it will give you the spirit you know it will give you the passion to continue on despite many challenges and obstacles and perseverance and you'll, you'll discover a lot about yourself and okay oh maybe one last takeaway is the true character of a person is tested during adversity and circumstances and this i can share with you from personal experience Hello and good evening. Welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. In my podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, how they have innovated their businesses during this pandemic, and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new or what some people are now calling the better normal. Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. Drop me a message. Just to let all of you know, we are also simulcast on Kumu, CBRC TV, and Global Pinas. Thank you to everybody for watching us on other, our other channels. Much, much appreciated. Now, tonight's a truly incredible story of one entrepreneur who was just recently raised 1 million US dollars in seed round from two venture capitalists for his social e-commerce platform called Reselly. Now Reselly is a platform that provides sustainable and scalable zero capital online businesses to less fortunate Filipinos and helps them out especially during this pandemic. Now, this person I've been wanting to talk to for some time and we've got a very special announcement at the end of the podcast. With regard to his project or his platform called Reselly, please welcome the founder and CEO of Philippine-based social e-commerce platform Reselly, Mark Concho. Mark, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hi, RJ. Thank you for uh, you know inviting us to join, and uh, good evening to all your viewers. You know, all the viewers. Thanks so there. much. I remember Mark the first time I actually saw you. Very curious. I think it was in the sign-up event of a, of a Gonegosho event. Is that right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Uh, one of my friends invited me to to be a mentor on the Go Nagosho event, so I said, "Why Fantastic. not?" You know, it's related to you know, my wow. personal vision for myself, and it's really helping the disenfranchised build their own businesses with what I call Lawai Capital, basically. That's correct. Yes. Okay, uh, Mark. Just just a question. You know, the the biggest point from here is like that's one million US dollars. 
that you were able to just raise and seed capital. How was it like for you bringing back to that day when you found that 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 you had just were able to raise that type of money? Well, uh, of course, we are happy. I mean, uh, it validates our business model, our concept, which is really to help uh, a lot of Filipinos who are affected, you are unemployed or underemployed because of the pandemic. At the same time, I told the team, now the hard, you know, the hard work now starts because we really, you know, we have no excuse. We got to grow and got to help more people right now because the funding's there. And how long did it take you to actually raise that funding? How many sleepless nights did you have? <laughs> Well, it was actually two series. The first portion of the $1 million came in fourth quarter last year. And then the balance uh, came in September. Yeah. So it was uh, kind of tight for a few months. It was like, okay, uh, <laughs> 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 we got to hustle. We got to you know, do what it takes to keep reselling running. Yeah. Well, what, what's funny is people <laughs> think, like, wow. It's not like, you know, you don't feel like people initially think, right? When you hear like 1 million US dollars seed capital, you go, I'm in the money. That's what some people feel. But what's it really like when you get the money? You go, oh, no, I got to use this money. Well, what is the feeling like when you when you found out? Uh, well, to be honest, you, you, you know, we were all expecting like $1 million. Wow, we'd be celebrating big celebration. Well, you can't really do that right now with the lockdowns and everything. But it's more like... Okay, so we've got the money in place. How do we fast track growth and how do we get to use the money to help more people, to, to increase traction, help more people, etc. So it never really actually crossed our minds that, you know, we got to celebrate. It's a big deal and all that. Of course, you know, it, it kind of lessened the stress level. <laughs> it, it's easier to work and to think, you know, when you don't have to worry about money too much <laughs> to fund uh, operations and everything. And I'd love to know how it felt like right before you got the money and i know for many startups over here you're like you're at the end of the rope right and then you're just waiting for that, that cash to hopefully trickle in or find an investor to come in i would love to know uh, how, how that felt like well um personally i wasn't that worried uh, compared to before because i've been through this situation before we're in me and my partner jason we set up a company e-commerce company around five years ago 2015 we were also able to raise around a million dollars, you know, actually even oh, wow. more than a million dollars. So, so you know, that time you're so happy. Wow, wow one million dollars, you know, we got so much cash, you know, and then we started splurging left and right. You know, we had a really nice fancy office. We got, you know, we got the you know, really fancy equipment, developers, marketing left and right. And then, of course, um, you know, the money ran out. So that's when... I was really super stressed. Uh, we didn't have even enough money to pay for payroll and stuff. And then I had to talk to our team members, our employees, and manage them. And you know, a few of them even filed cases with SSS. And I spoke to them. I said, "Guys, uh, I'm trying my best, and it's good." You know, I we were lucky in the sense that our employees trusted us, so they withdrew the case, and then they gave us their trust, and we were able to manage to settle everything. That was stressful. So at that time, we raised the money more than a million dollars. We didn't have a working platform. We didn't have anything that Reselly has right now. So, you know, I mean, after coming from that experience, uh, Reselly, you know, the stress from Reselly is much more manageable right now. And more importantly, we learned a lot of key lessons from our previous startup, which we are now able to apply. So right now, if you look at our office, it's a very small office. We're only paying <laughs> less than, you know, 20,000 pesos a month. We can afford a more fancy one, you know, we negotiated our landlord. We didn't have to negotiate your landlord for you know lower rates, but you know, coming from the previous experience, so you know, we're more prudent about how we spend our cash now. 
presence and everything. And another lesson that we learned also is not the true character of a person comes out when you have no options left, when, when a person becomes desperate, which we were, which I was when we had our previous startup you know, five years ago. You don't have money for payroll. It's Chris, true story. It's Christmas time. Uh, you're late on even their 13th month pay. You haven't paid their salaries yet. So it really stretches your resources. And because you're so stressed, you end up putting, blaming everybody, pointing fingers at everybody, you know, everyone except yourself. I was the CEO, president CEO also. So that is something that I, I learned. That was a good part of you know, what happened to me. I started blaming everybody else because I couldn't accept the fact that I was responsible, you know, that the failure was really on me and me alone as president and CEO of Resellium. So hopefully with you know, out of one network of our e-commerce startup before. So hopefully with Resellium now we're doing things better. We're learning from that lesson. And it's, it's amazing. Uh, in a sense, it's like... Uh, one thing I learned is, you know, you when you pray, it's another story also. When you pray, when you look back, like what Steve Jobs did, said before, uh, you end up connecting the dots. So in this case, it was like there's a purpose for me undergoing that traumatic experience in the previous e-commerce startup to help with the success of reselling now. Everything was prologue. That was just prologue to what reselling was going to be right now. In terms of uh, your, your startup experience. And I'd really love to get into uh, more about what you learned from one network in a bit. And I'm sure the other entrepreneurs and other startup founders who are listening would love to hear the same story as well. Uh, but before that, let's take a step back and tell me a bit more uh, what Reselli is for people who might not be too familiar just yet. What's your elevator pitch for what Reselli is all about? Well, it's a zero puhuna. It's a social e-commerce app. Okay. So what is social e-commerce? Social e-commerce is a growing trend right now. As far as e-commerce is concerned, it's a business model. You have uh, three kinds of uh, e-commerce business models. You have the traditional marketplace model. Examples would be Lazada, Shopee, Alibaba, Amazon. We're in the buyer or a person has to go to their website or their mobile app to purchase things. Then you have the trader. Uh, business model as far as e-commerce concerns are the carousels, you know, the eBays, etc. Then you have an up and rising e-commerce business model, which is social e-commerce. It's fairly new. It was pioneered by Pinduoduo five years ago in China. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those, for all those uh, who don't know who Pinduoduo is, it's the fastest growing e-commerce company in China. And it's now number two. So when Pinduoduo was launched in China five years ago, everybody, all the big players, everybody was laughing at them. How can you compete against the giants of e-commerce like JD, Alibaba, Taobao? You know, you're just, uh, you know, and amazing. Less than five years, they became number two. And at the rate they're growing, they might even overtake Alibaba and become number one. Wow. So why? what did Pinduoduo do? do? Uh, first was their business model is social e-commerce. So what's the difference between a marketplace uh, e-commerce model and social e-commerce? In social e-commerce, a, a person leverages on his network of friends, on his social network like Facebook. In China, it's WeChat. To invite people to make transactions or purchases online. So okay. in Pinduoduo, they focus on the group buy model. We're in a, a person invites his friends, hey, guys, join me uh, to make a group buy, let's say, for a uh, dozen apples. And then we get it at 50% off. So of course, you know, I invite, I need to get at least 10 of my friends to participate in this group buy. And then we get it at a big discount. So there were two things that Pinduoduo did very well. Their, the uh, linchpin of their strategy was one, social e-commerce. And second was focusing initially on fruits and vegetables. Why? 
because the giants of e-commerce uh, were weak as far as food. They were all focused on electronics, fashion, clothes, you know, traditional stuff that you see on a marketplace. Yeah. So that's what Pinduoduo did. So learning from Pinduoduo, that's what uh, Reselly aims to do as well. Our spin is Pinduoduo's group buying with Reselly were like all about livelihood. So with social e-commerce, some quick statistics, how this came about. Did you know that? I'm sure you know this, RJ, but for your viewers, did you know that Philippines is number one when it comes to use of social media? A mm-hmm. average Filipino spends more than five hours on social media a day. We're number one in the world in social media usage. Number two, second uh, statistic, Filipinos have the most friends on social media than wow. any other country in the world. Okay. So that probably lends a truth to, you know, a lot of people are saying Filipinos are the friendliest people in the world. And it's shown, it's proven by the fact that we why, have the most friends also on social and media. That's why you say maybe social should be leveraged to, uh, you can monetize yes. social, right? So we said, so how come, you know, if you look at China with Pinduoduo and Misho in India is the fastest growing e-commerce company also in India. And their focus, their business model is social e-commerce. Why not the Philippines? We're number one in, comes, in terms of social media usage, in terms of a number of friends uh, on social media. So why did we turn this? into an advantage, you know, into an uh, income opportunity for the average Filipino. But then the key pain point being that most Filipinos have very limited capital. So that's where Reselly comes in. You just have to download their app, choose the products that you want to sell to add to your online store. It could be fruits, vegetables, clothes, shoes, electronic items. It's like you're having your own Divisoria or Green Hills. That's Jero Puhuna. And then share your store to your friends on social media. And then if somebody buys, we take care of everything from delivery, fulfillment, customer service, and you get your commissions. Wow, and you get commissions. So how does the, yes, how and you the, earn commissions. How does the commission structure work? The minute that somebody buys and pays for the order, 80% of the commission given by our merchants goes to the reseller. I see, I see. And then we have a referral, a member get member programmer in. Let's say if I brought you in, if I invited you to join my team on reselling, just like Pinduoduo's group buy, uh, I get override commissions from you, RJ, from every purchase or sale that you make. I see. So when you say social, no, uh, I mean, it, it, there's two, I mean, the way that I, I'm, I'm listening to you right now, there, there are two things which come to mind. First, social because of the network, socialization aspect. But other people also think of social as social enterprise. You know, uh, it, yes. it's... Sort of like the models of uh, rags to riches where this combination of that, as you were doing it, you were also helping out a disenfranchised community or, or a group. Uh, is that what it is actually? Is that what, what you did to reselling? That it's actually both a social for socialization and a social enterprise at the same time? That's correct, yes. And uh, if I may share a story how that came about. Uh, when I was a kid, well, throughout my kid and teenager years, I always wanted to be a priest. Okay. No. Actually, I even entered the uh, Jesuit seminary. And then the, uh, the, the, the head of the, semi- uh, of the seminarians at the time asked me, Mark, have you ever had a girlfriend? I said, no, Father, because I, I, I really just want to be a priest. I'm not, I'm not interested in girls. Okay, Mark. Uh, unfortunately, I, I can't accept you in the seminary right now. You have to go out in the world, experience having a girlfriend. And if you believe that you priesthood is still for you, you're always welcome to come back. So it took me around four years before I had my first girlfriend because I had no experience, you know, <laughs> courting girls or anything I didn't. So by the time I had my first girlfriend after four long years, then I decided, you know, <laughs> being a priest is not for me after all. But always <laughs> in the back of my mind, 
my mentor asked me, Mr. Pagsi, you know, in high school, uh, Mark, why do you want to be a priest? So I told him, well, Mr. Pagsi, and I was, what, 13, 14 years old at that time. Uh, Mr. Pagsi, the reason why I want to be a priest is because I've thought about it. As human beings, we're never happy or truly satisfied with what we have. We say we'll have this nice house, this nice car, this hot girlfriend, hot boyfriend, kids, you know, live the life, you know, we can travel everywhere we want. And we always want something more. Then we get it. We always want something more because our souls are infinite. So the only thing that will truly satisfy us is that which is eternal. That is just like our souls. And that's God. That's why I want to be a priest. Fortunately, it didn't push through. So it's always been in the back of my mind. Uh, next best thing is to set up a business that will help other people. Because, you know, I mean, if you look at it, we're probably going to live 80 to 100 years old, which is compared to eternity is just a very small speck. You know? So I still prepare for that. So social that's where the social enterprise aspect of reset yeah, comes in. Spoken like a true man for others, I see. Huh? Very happy. Trying to be, trying yeah. to be. Okay, and, and, very and, far. And, and, and I like, I like really a sort of like the honesty of really bringing that to the fore because this conversation also reminds me of my conversation with, with, with David Amiron of Multisys. You know, he said that he was raised in a, he, he was, you know, his father was an OFW and, you know, he was raised by the pastor. And, you know, the, the way that, that it, it, it informs his business is that it, he doesn't really see people as competition or other people as competition. It's like, we must all collaborate. We must all work together. And if you see the project that he's been doing, it's the same thing. You, you see that, you know, he put up the Stay Safe app, you know, he put up another do donation box app. So I, I can see the sort of spirit uh, from you as well. So I just want to ask, like, for, for you, know, how is that what keeps you motivated strongly to, to do this one? Because it's not easy to do an app that is a social commerce app. Does, is that how strongly your prayer and faith life really uh, influence your decision? Uh, I wouldn't say my prayer and faith is strong. I'm still trying to <laughs> trying to reach that level. I'm not, you know, I'm far from the level or the for the kid I was. Or in, you know, I really just want to be a priest and focus on God and everything. So I'm far from that. Trying to struggling, but yes, it inspires me. If there's anything worth doing in your life, it's uh, doing things uh, because of God and offering it to God. Funny that you mentioned about. You know, Dave Almoral, and very inspiring guy. You're saying that, you know, it's all about helping other people, you know, networking to, to be able to help more people effectively. Just recently, so I was a bit stressed because we had some disagreements with my partners, okay? And me, and I probably got this from my dad. I'm the kind of person when I believe that I'm right, I stick to it. You know, I stick to my guns and then it causes friction, you know? So my temper flares and all that. So it causes friction. Then I happened to read. So I tried to do Bible studies. I read a Bible verse. And it happened on the same day. Uh, that, that, you know, I kind of like, you know, had some friction with my partner. So I read. And in that Bible study, in that Bible verse, it was saying that don't go to church or to the temple and worship unless you've fixed your relationships with yep. your brothers. So that's how important relationships are. It's even more important than going to church and worshiping mm -hmm. God. God will not listen to you unless you fix your relationships. And he, in a way, it was like he was speaking directly to me. So, so okay. So it that was amazing. So relationships are very important. If the, our purpose here on earth really is to the greatest commandment is really love others as you love yourself. So it's really about relationships, about you know making sure that relationships you always preserve, you always you know, focus on loving others. Yeah, over business, over finances, over business, you know, over. Else. And, and I like also how you said that. I, I don't know, this might sound a bit capitalist, you know, but I don't, not, not really, but for me, you know, 
I, I think I'm great with dealing with people and relationships, but I also like to think that, you know, your network is also your net worth. I mean, the more people that you're able to build networks with, that's why I work with Gonegosho, that's why I work with different uh, larger groups, because, you know, I, I want to understand their business, I want to help them, but at the same time, it also widens my ability to think about business, because you're, you're dipping your dipping your fingers into different business models and you're able to understand them. If you want to do something, you, work it, you do it through networks, especially here in the Philippines. Wouldn't you agree? That's correct. Yes, I agree. I mean, Filipinos are the, are the friendliest people in the world. You know, so exactly. I mean, exactly. No, if you look at the extended families, we take care of our lolos, our lolas, you know, our cousins. Mm. If you go to your European countries, it's another way. The minute you turn 18 years old, you're independent. You're gone. You know? yeah. you know, you're not expected to take care of your parents, your, your, your grandparents, your cousins. You know? You're on your own. Exactly. Now, I, I want to go back a bit more to, to discussing what recently. Now, you were discussing about Pinduoduo, which is a Chinese app. Um, were you inspired because of that app? Because that's a legitimate model. Many of these apps, like uh, Lazada, the rest, were developed from Rocket Internet, which is a European uh, sort of like uh, business. But that, that they, they, they started copying models from the US and Europe, which were successful, bringing it here to Southeast Asia. Was that what you did? You, you just looked at Pinduoduo? Or, or did you think of it? by yourself and say, oh, there happens to be something out there that I can look at and maybe I can emulate it a bit. Uh, the Pinduoduo part came later on. You know, when you have a startup, you really have to pivot until you find the right product market fit. So when you started Reselly, for example, we were focused, our products, SKUs were focused on fashion, clothes, and electronic items, just like you know, you know, what you see in other e-commerce sites. And then, you know, we got feedback from our resellers. It's so hard for them to make reg- to earn regular income. I mean, how many times in a year does a person buy clothes, right? Average Filipino wave once, twice a year or electronic items. So then we started doing research and then Pinduoduo came out. I said, oh, wow, uh, you look at Pinduoduo, frequency of purchase. You know, I mean, people buy fruits and vegetables maybe once a week. So four mm-hmm. times a month. It's something that people buy regularly. And it's something that we can uh, use to our competitive, have a unique competitive advantage in. So in reselling, we guarantee the cheapest and freshest fruits and vegetables. Why? because we work directly with farmers and farmers cooperatives. So if you place an order today before 12 in the afternoon, the fruit and vegetable that you order actually arrives from the farm to Manila four in the morning in our warehouse, four o'clock the next day, four o'clock in the morning, and then we deliver it that day. So it's that's fresh and we guarantee it's the cheapest. Uh, we do price checks every other day. We want that to be our unique competitive advantage, the cheapest and freshest fruits and vegetables while, and most importantly, helping our for fellow farmers. So able to do this one, so this is really the pivot that you guys made initially when you you saw Pinduoduo really making, you know, literally the low-hanging fruits for Pinduoduo were fruits and vegetables. Yes, that's correct, yes. Wow. Now, having said that, I want to go a bit more back uh, before Reselli started. You know what? um, You know, I often ask many entrepreneurs, what's their secret origin? What got them started in entrepreneurship? And, you know, people like Jose Magsasay Jomag, my business partner, and I think business partner of Jason as well, no? For some of his businesses, was, was uh, you know, he started off in Wendy's as a, you know, a cashier, a janitor, you know, just to work his way up from that one over there. That's his background, and that helped inform how he became eventually the founder of Potato Corner and grew his business. How did you start off, Mark? Were, were you, did you start off as an entrepreneur, or uh, did you start off in the corporate world and eventually made your way into entrepreneurship? Okay, I started in the corporate world by accident. Fresh out of college, me and my best friend, Victor, we 
I've always dreamt of being an entrepreneur. I've all, I, I, I like reading books. That's one of my hobbies. So ever since I was a teenager or a kid, I, I'd always love reading about you know, uh, successful entrepreneurs. So fresh out of college, I, mean, I convinced my best friend, Victor, to set up a business called Bonsai Healthy Fast Food. The very first healthy fast food in the Philippines was 1997. Okay, so everything was uh, made out of veggie meat, soy proteins. Imagine 1997, so you wow. veggie burgers and all that. So we were located in, previously it wasn't called Greenbelt, that, that mall before Greenbelt was there. Okay, And it did fairly well, but not well enough to be profitable. Just break even. So oh. after one year, you would be there at like 6 in the morning. You would be cooking bringing the stuff, the vegetables, the, you know, the veggie meat and all that, and then staying there up to the time the mall closes at 9 o'clock and then doing inventory management up to 10. We've been doing this for one year and we're not making money. Okay, We're just breaking even, just enough to pay you know, the, the rent, employees. So maybe let's go back to the corporate world first. And, you know, let's, let's see, maybe you can learn something there. So, so my best friend, Victor, uh, he applied in PLDT, calls me one day, says, Mark, you want to join me? I have a job interview with PLDT. I said, okay, I joined him. And then uh, he was interviewed first. The position was entry level, rank and file, uh, assist, associate market research specialist. And when he came out, he whispered to my ear, uh, Mark, uh, whatever happens, just quote from the Bible and be humble. Why? So anyway, the interviewer called me in. Okay. So I went there. And then she said, Mark, uh, you don't have any experience. You're fresh out of college. You only have your, why should we hire you? Uh, and I said, well, ma'am, I don't have experience, but you know, I'm, I'm willing to learn. I'm a fast learner. I'll do everything it takes. Uh, I'll work hard, I promise you, if you give me a chance, etc. So then I quoted from the Bible. Okay, The Bible verse I said was uh, something about planting seeds and making it grow. Then I was hired on the spot. Well, okay. <laughs> the Bible to the rescue again for you, Mark. Oh, man. So Intervene connecting the dots. Just the right time. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes. So I went out and then I said, Victor, dude, what, what, what happened? I said, Pare kasi, uh, you know, the interview asked me, why should we hire you? Then sabi ko, why shouldn't you hire me? I'm number one in sales in Globe Telecoms. You know? <laughs> and then he start, started citing all these achievements. So in Globe, he used to work for Globe before. And totoo naman, number one siya. Okay, he was number one. And then the interviewer started quoting from the Bible. He said, whoever exalts himself shall be humble. <laughs> so said, That's why even here without Matai. So, yeah. and it's funny. I started associate market research specialist. And then after one year, this is 1999, there's a job opening. There's an opening for head of internet and future services. So, so I prayed about it and I said, Sana Lord, this sounds exciting, internet and futures. Remember, this is 1999, everybody was on dial-up internet and that internet That's was right. broadband. 1999, nobody knew what broadband. Nobody was yet broadband the internet was. you hear that shh. Yeah. For about five minutes <laughs> until, them. You get, yeah, until you get, until you get, until you get a signal. Uh, signal. That's correct. So it was offered to all the managers, the senior managers, even a few AVPs to head that post. Nobody wanted to take it for, for one, some strange reason. And nobody wanted to take that post to head it. Why? Because broadband, they said, that's such a niche. Everybody's thinking at that time was, broadband is not going to grow. It's going to be such a niche. You know, everybody's on dial-up internet. You know, it's PLD at that time, their bread and butter, the core business was long distance, IDD, you know, landlines and all. Wow, that so sounds like a long time ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
So ako. I mean, I was just I just started in PLDB, just yeah, I was there for like 10 months. I was just really entry, entry level associate assistant associate research specialist. That's how entry level it was. I went up to the vice president, head of marketing, John John. I said, uh, sir, I know that there's an opening for head of internet and future services. I know it's a managerial position. Uh, and uh, but if you give me a chance, I promise you I'll do my best. I won't let you down. I'll do whatever it takes to make it success, successful. And he probably saw something in me and he gave me the spot. Wow. I was a one-man team for like two years. I didn't have any uh, you know, assistance, nothing. I was just by myself in one-man team. And I'd arrive in PLDT. I was in PLDT at 5.30 in the morning. So I, all the security guards know me. I'd leave PLDT at around 9.30, 10 p.m. So by the time I'd get home, I'd be dead tired. Because I was a one-man team. I had to do everything. It was a new product, new new uh, business unit. And uh, I'm glad to say I'm fortunate in the sense that I didn't let my boss down, Sean Sean, my mentor and my boss. And we hit targets. Uh, the Internet and Future Services category business unit grew. Uh, you know, slowly at first. Seven years ago, it became a $5 billion, $100 million business for PLD. And the, the flagship product, flagship business unit of PLD. Seven years. So... Uh, so that's what got me to technology. It's always been at the back of my mind. Uh, but I've always wanted to set up a, a business that's forward-looking, that's innovative. So I ended up after PLDT, I went to Sunset Digital, Sunsellers, head of a marketing, vice president for marketing and product development. And then I went to Paymaya, 88BB, and then Paymaya, head of e-commerce. And then after Paymaya, I said, Siguro, I was able to save a bit of money and then to set up uh, reselling together with Jason. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and I'm the host of the Age of Tech podcast. Join me as I interview tech thought leaders, investors, and business founders across Asia to get the best insights on how they built their businesses from the ground up. Check out my new episodes every Wednesday at asiatechpodcast.com. All things Asia, all things tech. Hi, this is Roy Segalar from the research department at First Metric Securities and host of the Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast featuring timely and relevant discussions on the Philippine stock market and economy in the hope of providing investing and trading guidance to Filipinos. New episodes every Tuesday and as always, your future first. God, look at this cute person listening to this podcast, oh. Right? So cute, grabe. Good job to your parents, ha? By the way, this is Jam. And this is Dabsky. You like podcasts, right? Check ours out. <laughs> we talk about... Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah. Local music. Overthrowing evil overlords. Butts. Space. Witches. Space witches. <laughs> Denial. Cats. Dogs. Cats and dogs. So if that floats your boat or flies your spaceship, check it out online and join us at Local Locus PH everywhere on social media. Sorry, Podcast Network Asia. <laughs> When you finally made that decision to, to move from corporate to un- entrepreneurship, no? some people, because they call it the golden handcuffs, you're, you're getting such a good salary that sometimes you don't want anymore to leave because a nine-to-five job with a steady salary, you're good. But you still made the decision to leave. What was that motivation that made you want to, to take that step back into entrepreneurship? Well, actually, I was, uh, in a sense, uh, okay, when Tencent and KKR invested 
<coughs> into Voyager Innovations in Paymaya. Uh, Voyager Innovations, the uh, holding company of Paymaya, they actually killed all the, there were four business units of Voyager. So the first one is Paymaya, the biggest one. And then you had marketing technology, MarTech. Then you had FinTech headed by Lito Villanueva. And then you had e-commerce uh, headed by me. So mm -hmm. the investors, Tencent and KTR, when they invested into Paymaya, they said, kill all the other business units, just retain Paymaya. External forces. External forces. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. I said, oh my gosh, I'm out of a job. I have two kids. I have to support my family. What the hell do I do now? So prayed about it. I said, God, is this uh, are you giving me a sign? Well, I have I had a little bit of savings, and of course I had my uh, redundancy pay from uh, from uh, Paymaya. So I said. Oh, maybe this is a time for me to set up another, to give it another shot, e-commerce another shot, another try. That's how we okay. started. But I know that you said there's you had one one network as that before that came before uh, resell. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So the first business was was one is that one network. That's correct, no? Yeah, one, one network. network. That's just in a one network e-commerce that was in 2015. Okay, so, so this is your happened... first. This was your first business after uh, after going entrepreneurial. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so tell me a bit more about how you came up with it and how your previous work informed the creation of One Network, okay. or if it did in any way. All right, so I was country manager of 88DB, and then uh, Jason, my partner now in Reselly, was the uh, CTO of the holding company. Okay, and that's where I met Jason in 88DB. And Jason's listening right now. Jason, say hi to us here. Sabi, he's been a bate Hi, Jordan. To other listeners. Oh, hi, Jason. And uh, sabi niya, thanks, RJ. Go, Mark. Ayan. <laughs> so me and Jason became close. Okay. And then, uh, well, same story as what happened in Paymaya, Voyager Paymaya. The mother company, which was a jobs DB, was uh, bought by Seek.com, an Australian uh, company. And they told, you know, they told the founder of JobCV to kill all the other business units, one of which was ATP. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so me and Jason were out of a job. So you're wondering, okay, maybe let's let's try setting up a business. Yeah. You know, we started off with a PowerPoint presentation, no minimum viable product. We'll say, yes, again, let's try. Tayo ng PowerPoint presentation. Ano uso ngayon? This was 2014, December, fourth quarter, December. E-commerce is growing very fast right now. So again, I think that's a trend. That's a future. So again, let's do something into e-commerce. And then uh, Jason, okay, you're listening. Jason's a bit more of an MLM guy than I am. Okay, so Jason said, Mark, we need to raise funds for you know, one network e-commerce. What's the fastest way to raise funds? Okay, investors, since PowerPoint presentation, we don't even have an MVP, you know, minimum viable product. Oh, MLM, so let's do MLM. And we, at that time, MLN wasn't too negative yet, right? I mean, people were still, you know. Yeah. So we set up, we did an MLM system, PowerPoint, and then we tested it. We presented some people. And in one day, our first day of doing the presentation, you we were able to raise almost 1 million pesos. In one wow. day. Actually, in two hours. Wow. So, said, so, wow. so people, same thing, MLM. You bring them to the room. You talk to all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bring them to the room. You excite them. You talk. This is the future of MLM, e-commerce, yo, man, you can sell anything, blah, 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 blah. Wow, it's so easy, huh? Grab it, two hours long of talking and PowerPoint presentation. Two, one, almost one million ka agad, huh? cash. 
maybe we're onto something right I mean yeah then the feedback we were getting and then tuloy, whenever we'd present our room we'd have a 90 at minimum 90% success rate success rate being at the end of the room 90% of those attend pay subscribe you know, three, pay 3,000 pesos so I said so we used the money that we were able to collect uh, raise to try to build a platform unfortunately building an MM, MLM, MLM platform on e-commerce is more complicated than we thought Mm. And then, you know, in MLM, you have to have a very nice office, fancy office. You got to have, you know, spend in marketing and all that. So the money that we were able to raise, we were able to collect more than 60 million. Actually, after two years, we still didn't have a working platform, a working mobile app or e-commerce platform website. And that's the time that we started, you know, having problems, cash flow problems. We weren't able to pay our employees. And then we had a... Uh, life or death situation where we had to make a decision we continue. I mean, I don't know if there are viewers out there who are entrepreneurs, but you always tell yourself, kaya pa, kaya pa, you know? Just yeah, don't yeah. give up. You know, there's, baka yeah, yeah. lang, we're already almost there. The, what made our decision to finally stop yeah. one was when it becomes, it becomes very real, especially to your employees, your team members and your employees. If you decide to prolong it, and they are delayed in salaries, you are also affecting their lives and their families because they are counting on you. So you have to look at yourself in the mirror and you know, be very realistic. Yeah. So some of the hard questions you're asking yourselves, like if we continue this, how long will it take and how much money will it still take to finish the platform, you know, finish the development, et cetera, et cetera, to make this fly? It just would take too long. And I don't think our team members or employees could have waited that long. So, so that's the time we decided to kill it. It's not an easy decision to make. Yeah, because there are also people listening listen to us right now. I mean, entrepreneurs like yourself. By the way, I just want to greet Victor Tan. He has an amazing story with your guest, RJ. Victor also an amazing entrepreneur. I first met him in, in Gonegosho. He's got some great stories about entrepreneurship, the, the successes and the failures as well. But yeah, how do you know, Mark? I mean, at what point do you know it's really time to pull the plug? Because it's not easy. I mean, I, I mean we're always at that precipice. You know, many of us entrepreneurs that... You don't know, and how do you make the decision? I can How do you discern that decision? Prayers, uh, uh, prayers, and then I don't know if this sounds corny, but if you truly pray, God answers your prayers. So at that time, at that point, uh, I can't speak for Jason, but for myself, I was really praying, uh, asking God whether I should continue or stop one network, and He answered my prayer. That you know, and what was that prayer? A headhunter called me. I said, Mark, uh, you know, give me a job offer for Paymaya to head e-commerce for Voyager Paymaya. And the salary was enough for me to pay to settle the you know, salaries, the, the, the loans that we had, you know, the salaries of our employees in one. So I, and I took that as a sign. Uh, okay, wow, it's perfect. The money I'll get by, for my salary can pay off the money we offer the salaries for team members or employees and Hopefully, you know, maybe there might be some synergies between Paymaya, since I headed e-commerce, and, and one, one network. Net, one network. And one network, which is e-commerce as well. Of course, I already Mr. Doibe, Sir Doibe. So that's how it happened. And then uh, what happened? Yeah. yeah so you, what, what happened next? What happened next? Very interesting story. What happened next? So what happened next was the thesis I presented to my boss and to the management of Voyager was, 
PayMaya is a wallet. It's an e-wallet. Now, an e-wallet, if you think of e-wallet as a physical wallet, the wallet is only as good as the money that you put in, right? So my thesis was, who are the companies or the e-wallet companies? And this is my opinion, okay? My opinion. The e-wallet companies that will succeed. Uh, these are the e-wallets that have an ecosystem around it. Not just e-wallet for an e-wallet sake, but they have a unique value proposition that solves a real pain point. I'll give a case in point. Uh, Alipay is an e-wallet, but it supports the Alibaba e-commerce ecosystem. Grab has their own wallet, which is GrabPay, but that's not, not their core business. Their core business is transportation, shared transportation, and it supports that ecosystem. So my thesis was, it's going to be very difficult for PayMail as a standalone e-wallet to thrive unless you build an ecosystem around it. And what's that ecosystem I was proposing? A livelihood e-commerce platform that will drive, that will put money into the PayMaya wallet. And that was the genesis or the start of Resemi. But while you were still so working actually, for PayMaya, when you were working, you had the idea in PayMaya. Yeah, I mean, the blessing of my boss, of, uh, yeah, blessing of management said, okay, Mark, we agree with you. Say, start building that, that livelihood, you know, livelihood app tied into wallet, uh, tied into PayMaya's e-wallet so that to feed into it, right? So we started building it. We were this close to launching it, like just a few months we have launched it and then Tencent KKR came in and said, and killed, killed it. Okay, all, all other business units uh, killed. Let's kill it. Let's just focus on PayMaya. That's how I said, wow, what a waste. Uh, everything was there already. And that's, I said, oh, let's, let's continue it. Jason, let's continue it. Let's set up Reselly. You know, I mean, it works. It's been validated. So that's how Reselly was born. So you left one. You left you one network had to close down. Is that right? Yes. And then, then I joined uh, Voyager Innovations, uh, head of e-commerce. Then eventually you put a pre-sale because you didn't want all the hard work uh, to go to waste. Yes. And yes. just validated also. It was validated. Um, models validated. Okay. Yes. Interesting. I, I just have a question. I hope you don't mind me asking. But of course, you know, closing down companies is a very difficult thing for for anybody to do, especially an entrepreneur. And especially when you get investors, how did you have to handle? I mean, that must have been quite. Uh, I mean, what did you learn about? Because you had to close down the company, you had to deal with maybe some investors who weren't too happy with the decision, uh, uh, and, and you know some irate people. How, how? What learnings did you get from all that one? I want to know. The most important learning is uh, relationships. Like what I said, more than the money, it's about trust and relationships. You know that shows your true character. Of course, pray. I've always repeated this, which is prayer. You know, putting your faith in God, but. After that, it's really ensuring that you always think outside of yourself. You think of the other person first. Mm -hmm. So that was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. So of course, I was, you know, that I'm never going to close down. And then I became defensive. The employees were, you know, like filed a case in SSS. And then I got hurt. Wow. Oh my gosh. I, I, you know, I worked so hard for you guys to make sure that you guys are paid. I'm doing my best. So I was personally hurt. So, And then I prayed about it. And uh, I reached out to them. I apologized. And I said, hey, guys, you know, it's not easy. I hope you appreciate that I'm really working hard, so hard. If I said some bad words or harsh words, I apologize for that. But rest assured, and I need you to trust me, that I'm doing my best to ensure that you guys get paid. Because at the end of the day, you know, why are we in this world, really? And I was a bit philosophical also at that point. And fortunately for me, they forgave me. And they trusted me. They withdrew the, the case in SSS. And we're still friends up to now. 
uh, most of them, you know, most of Great the members and employees. So. Jason, Jason, Jason De La Rosa, your partner is saying up to now, those relationships are actually still intact. That, that's great to hear. But this is the more interesting thing I want to ask. Kayo ni Jason, intact pa rin kayo. Hindi ba kayo nag-away yung time na yan? I mean, I'm just asking because at the start, of course, the things were rough at the time when you, when you put up uh, one network. How did you and well, Jason think in any, as well? Yeah, in any relationship, whether it be marriage, personal, or business, you, 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 there will be some friction, of course. <laughs> yeah. But always, the most important thing talaga is that you you always have to forgive because nobody's per- I'm far from perfect, okay? So uh, I've done a lot of bad things, wrong things that you know Jason knows about. That you know, Jason has also done a few things also that you know. But the most important thing is that you you guys talk about it, you're transparent, you're honest, and then you forgive each other and you you guys move on. Okay. Especially in business, come on, it's just money. I mean, it's more important if you, it's a marriage and you're not just talking about money, right? And for people listening right now, Jason and I are good friends because uh, I, I helped him. Uh, we were we helped grow uh, Bounce Back official. So Bounce Back is uh, really Jason De La Rosa. I'm just his, one of his co-pilots over there. Romance lasts forever, according to Jason uh, De La Rosa. Thanks so much, Jason. <laughs> so what I want to know right now is, okay, you you were able to pull out reselly uh, lock, stock, and barrel from Paymaya. There was no because usually when you take a company where you develop the concept within the company, you have to pay them some sort of you know you use the resources right to develop it. So were they just uh, happy to give it to you and then you, you took it out? No, no, we we had to develop it from scratch. What I asked permission from my boss was uh, Sir Doy was the concept. If I could, when I leave Paymaya, can I set up my own company using the similar concept to what was developed? But all the software, all the development, I did not take that. That's with Paymaya. I still with them. I, I hope they didn't delete it, but they probably erased it already. <laughs> from the One of these days, you never know. <laughs> yeah. So, in fact, in oh. Paymaya, it was called Digisoria. We even did Digisoria. Uh, study. Digisoria. Because like it's like having your own Digisoria on your yeah. mobile phone with zero capital, zero puhuna needed. <laughs> okay. So, interesting. So, you, you set this up. up. Now, how did the lessons that you learned from one network, the lessons that you learned from Paymaya, uh, and the failures that you had, how did, how did it inform how you redevelop reselling now? With one network, I think one of our failures was uh, the tech side. We were too ambitious with our plans on the tech that it took forever. Actually, it, we never finished the tech platform. We never finished the website, the platform, the mobile app, or anything. Just spent too much money. On it. Number two is uh, after the tech, making sure that you have a product that works. Maybe the second lesson that we have was savings. Uh, when you're a startup, you have to be very conscious about your cash flow. So right now, if you look at Resell, you are very conscious about how much we spend. More than 60% of the money uh, for operating expenses actually goes to the dev team, to IT and our dev team. That's how, we see, how serious we are. Being traumatized about what happened in one network, he said, we got to invest in our tech team and our de- development, you know, making sure we have a fantastic world-class mobile app and platform. Third is the team. People, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a marketing person for the last 15 years. So they mm-hmm. teach us about the four Ps, product, pricing, placement, and positioning. The fifth one is people, you know, persons. They're, they're what makes the company run. So... Maybe this is the most important lesson. You always have to be transparent and you have to trust 
you know, people around you and be very, very transparent and honest with them. And try to be inspiring. You, you have to give them a mission or a vision, uh, a cause for them to work hard. And we're fortunate that the vision of Resell is, in my mind, inspiring. I mean, where can you have, where can you work for a company? It's inspiring even for me. Where can you work for a company wherein you're helping other people, you know, especially the poor with our zero puhunan livelihood? That's not inspiring enough. I don't know what it is. So, so when you when you started Reselli, uh, were you bootstrapping? Were you using money out of your own pocket to to start this one? Because I'm sure I don't think I didn't think you want to go back to the MLM model that you used for from one no. network and use it for Reselli. <laughs> A bit of bootstrapping, and then Jason, uh, to his credit, was able to get uh, some early investors. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, Jason, huh? Jason, let's talk again, Jason. <laughs> 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 that helped uh, jumpstart Reselli a bit until we brought in uh, the Chinese investors, you know, Mintech and all. Okay. How long were you were you sort of like bootstrapping until you were able to bring in your Chinese investors into the company? You said you restarted this in 2014, right? 2015. So that's about uh, a good... No, that's for one. Uh, with Reselli, oh, we network. only... Yeah, one network. One network we closed down last 2017. Okay. For Reselli, we started it, me and Chase, on... Uh, I left Paymaya April 20, 2019, mm-hmm. and then we started uh, reselling around June. So Jason was able to raise a few million pesos from his network, and then we started development around June. Then we closed our first round, which is around 10 million pesos from Mintech uh, in October, and then we were able to uh, close the balance around uh, 35 million, 40 million. Uh, last September, total of one million, which brings to the one million, one million dollar wow. uh, investment. Well, amazing. And, and having said that, I mean, sometimes you've, you've raised money, no? But Shempre, the the thing that that makes many entrepreneurs, I guess, I, I'll say, pissed in their pants is that you know you really don't know when it's going to work, right? Sometimes you're going, okay, I know it's going to work conceptually, it makes sense. Uh, was there a point when you started running it, and you know you're getting money your way? It might not work, you know. You, you know, I'm, we we entrepreneurs have those sleepless nights where they go, okay, <laughs> but all my work is 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 for naught. No, is that did it happen to you as you were developing? Research? Oh yeah, definitely all the time. <laughs> That's it about being an entrepreneur. You never know when your next big idea will, when that pivot will come that will drive your business. I'll share a story. Okay, Tesla. Uh, have you heard of Tesla? The car is Elon Musk. Yep, yep. Did you know that he's a few months away from selling out to Google? giving up on Tesla and selling majority to Google. So this was uh, November, one month before Christmas. He didn't have enough payroll anymore. Huh? I mean, he didn't have enough money for payroll for, for Christmas. So this is in, in his biography, by the way. If you guys want to read it, it's there. <laughs> so he called up Sergey Brin of Google and said, Hey, Sergey, are you interested in investing in Tesla? Then Sergey Brin said, yeah, sure. But as long as it's majority controlling, okay, let me uh, think about it and I'll get back to you. And then a few days later, he called up, a, uh, he did a town hall, called all these uh, key employees, told them, guys, we don't have money for Christmas. Okay, We don't have payroll. In a few months, we might have to sell out, either close on Tesla or get Google as an investor to own majority. So what do we do? So the brainstorming session, guess what they did? One of the brainstorming sessions, one of the employees suggested, hey, why don't we sell the cars, pre-sell, yeah, pre-sell the cars? So they did. So they, they, they made some sexy videos, you know, et cetera, marketing materials. Then each employee was required to sell at least one Tesla car. Boom. Fantastic. As in pre-selling, more than 5,000 units of Tesla sold, you know, pre-sold, more than enough to last them for, you know, 
runway for one year. They never had to sell to Google. So that's it. You just have to be very creative about you know, how you pivot and how you raise cash. In Tesla's case, they asked their employees to sell and it validated that you know, a lot of people want their electric vehicles. It was sexy, it was you know, environmentally friendly, etc. etc. So same thing also with reselling. Uh, we had a lot of instances wherein we, we, especially when the investments were delayed, Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, how are we going to raise cash? <laughs> so, you just have to be creative about it and p- keep on pivoting until. And the pandemic uh, was a blessing to reselling because mm-hmm. uh, before the pandemic, a lot of investors were like 50 50 about reselling. You know, they were like, are you sure about your. Know? And then pandemic came in, hit, and you know, e commerce grew. You know, the e commerce industry grew. And social e commerce in particular, not just in the Philippines, but around Southeast Asia that exponentially. So it kind of validated also what we were doing. So in other words, the pandemic was really a silver lining for you guys. It really, it actually accelerated the growth of Freeselli. Yes. Yeah. Well, fantastic. So if, if this didn't happen, if the pandemic didn't happen, what do you think would have happened to Freeselli right now? What would be its velocity right now? It probably wouldn't grow as fast. <laughs> it would still grow because you know, it's social e-commerce, it's e-commerce, but not as fast. Okay. Um, and, and having said that, okay, so it's growing right now. What do you see Reselli over the next one to two years? Where do you see it taking it? Okay. If you were to compare, do a comparative chart, Reselli versus uh, compared to other social e-commerce startups across Southeast Asia, uh, let's take in point uh, Ula. Ula is a social e-commerce startup in Vietnam. Uh, sorry, Telio, a social e-commerce startup in Vietnam. This is press release. It's public information. Uh, they have around 3,000 plus resellers or agents focused on FMCG. Mm-hmm. And they were able to close a few months ago a $25 million investment from Sequoia, Golden Gate, and wow. at the evaluation of $100 million at, with only 3,000 resellers or agents. Ula in Indonesia, uh, launched just January, actually soft launch. They just have a bait, not even a commercial launch, beta version. <clears throat> They're able to close last July, just a few months ago, a uh, $10.5 million investment from Sequoia, Golden Gate, and uh, another investor at a valuation of around $30, $40 million with, only, with less than 1,000 resellers. They're not even commercially launched yet. And I can go on. So there are, Indonesia has a number of social e-commerce startups, uh, Telio, Vietnam only has two, which is Telio and another one. Philippines, Reselli is the only, uh, we're the pioneer when it comes to social e-commerce here in the Philippines. So we currently have more than 40,000 resellers. Our target is to do Series A by third, fourth quarter next year at a, compared to Telio, probably valuation. If we're lucky, if we hit our targets, 150 to $200 million valuation, maybe recent $20 million. Wow. But more importantly, that's on the you know, investment side. But on the more importantly, we hope to help at least uh, 1 million Filipinos uh, earn a sustainable livelihood through our online Zero Puhunan mobile app by next year, by end of next year. So the way we do that, we have partnerships with celebrities, with the government, uh, DSWD. We've signed with Secretary Bautista, mm-hmm. making Reselli the official livelihood partner of the Philippine government. We're signing with the uh, Department of Agrarian Reform, Department of Agriculture. We've signed, we're signing with the Magsasaka Party List here. Congressman RGL, just to show you that we're very focused on fruits and vegetables. That's one of our unique competitive advantages. I guess over time, I'm just really refining. And the fruits and vegetables is that, you know, 
there was no need to re actually reinvent the wheel. If it worked for Pinduoduo, then it works here as well. So, you know, no need to go far for innovation. You can look outside and, and get the best of what you yeah. see outside. Although it's easier said than done. Excellent. There are just so Obviously. many. Uh, <laughs> uh, agriculture in the Philippines is uh, it's not as modern as, or you know, agri-tech in the Philippines is still at its infancy stages, which makes it a very big challenge, but also a very big opportunity. Exactly. And Mark, having said all that, no, this has been a truly enlightening session for many, for, for many people over here. I mean, this is one of the times people get to see the entrepreneurial journey from corporate to business, to failing in business, to going back into corporate, and finally uh, succeeding and, and scaling up. And, and there's a lot of lessons that we, you've shared with us over here. But even there are two, about two to three key takeaways that you want to share with you know, up-and-coming entrepreneurs we're trying to, you know, who, who, who are in the same page? You know how it's like for us, you know. Should I start off? I'm about to fail. What is your advice for them? Prayer. You know, you trust in God. You talk to Him. He's your Father. He will never let you down. What you see, uh, what you perceive as failures now, is actually, if you trust in Him and you, you put, you know, you offer it to Him, everything that you're doing, even your failures, you will look back and you will say, Ah, it wasn't a failure. God was guiding me towards a particular direction, which actually, which was actually better for me. So prayers number one. Number two is nothing replaces hard work. I think that my biggest successes in my life personally was when I was working the hardest. And then number three, my third takeaway is relationships. Uh, at the end of the day, business. I mean, if you think about it, why do you set up business? One of the key reasons is really to earn money, right? It's, it's all about you know, uh, money. Then you have many people have different you know purposes. You know, to support their family, to to buy a nice house, to to, you know, to live a comfortable life. But then if it's money, so if you can discover what your purpose, well, why are you setting up that business? Uh, what is it in you that that business completes or you know completes in you or define helps you define or find your identity then. It will give you the spirit, you know, it will give you the passion to continue on despite many challenges and obstacles and perseverance. And you'll, you'll discover a lot about yourself. And okay, oh, maybe one last takeaway is the true character of a person is tested during adversity and circumstances. And this I can share with you from personal experience. Normally, it can make a person great or it can bring out the worst in a person. And with one network, it brought out the worst in me. Okay, so my temper, I was, you know, blaming, pointing fingers, blaming everybody when it should have been me as the president. So when you find yourself in instances where in you know, your process, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, pray first, number one. And then number two is importantly, is you look at never destroy relationships. You always take a deep breath and say, what can I do? So that I preserve the relationship, so that you know we find a solution. Don't make it about yourself to this problem. And that's it. Those are the key takeaways. Thanks a lot, Mark. And talking about relationships, we're actually building a relationship as well here uh, with Reselli uh, and Mercato Central. Mark, I, I leave you to share the good news about Reselli and Mercato. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Archie. So. Uh, Reselli and Mercato, we, we signed an agreement, we've partnered, we're in, we are also, Reselli's in a position to help, uh, you know, the member restaurant, uh, you know, chefs of uh, Mercato and sell their products, you know, their, 
their food and other products on Reselly's platform and vice versa as well. We hope to be able to supply also the fruits and vegetables of Yes, we would love uh, that. We would love that. Yeah. So what well, the thing the same thing that's what I like about you know this the, throughout the whole talk I've been contemplating um you know we we've got together and understand Reselly so from a professional standpoint I get to see how how it works together synergistically but even from a value standpoint because for me Mercato is really all about being a small food business incubator. We help small food businesses grow. We help provide more livelihood. And, and I like the idea that here I'm able to extend or to further incubate and help my vendors through the Reselli platform and vice versa. We're very glad that Reselli can help, uh, can also bring in their fruits and vegetables to help my small food vendors as well in Mercato uh, grow their businesses. So again, looking forward to a great partnership with you guys and together with Jason uh, as we grow the business. We, we could all use, you know, we can all hold hands and make sure that, you know, we help more people uh, survive and thrive amidst this crisis. Yeah, thank you very much, RJ. Uh, okay. Thank you for you know, inviting me to your show. <laughs> okay. Again, thanks so much. That has been another episode of the RJ Ledesma podcast. Again, if there's any business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview on the podcast, please let me know. Drop me a message. Again, thanks so much. Mark Concho, president and found co-founder of Reselly. Again, check out the Reselly app right now. Mark, where can you download the Reselly app? On Google Play Store and then by uh, next week, next two weeks, it will be on iOS as well. Perfect. Again, thanks so much. This has been RJ Ledesma for the RJ Ledesma podcast. Please enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks so much. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.